And I remember this kind of hilarious moment where we had this Jeep now filled with, you know, three extra Tanzanians and there were a couple of local guys down in the river moving boulders out of the way so our car could pass through. There, there's a verse in the book of Hebrews that says, do not neglect to offer hospitality to strangers for by doing that some have entertained angels uh, without knowing it. I, I wondered if I paused right here at the outset to ask you to think back. Can you remember a time when you received gracious hospitality? that was maybe so unexpected, perhaps offered by a stranger, um, so over the top or appreciated that you will just never forget it. Can you think of such a time in your own life? I think most of us can. My mind immediately goes to Tanzania, where I've been blessed to come and go from for more than 20 years where a group of us from Prince of Peace will soon uh, visit some of our Lutheran ministry partners there and others around that gorgeous, uh, impoverished country. Uh, most of the time during these vision trips to Tanzania, we're there for uh, a span of days that covers two Sundays, which will be the case this time. So we're almost always able to attend worship at two different local Lutheran congregations, usually in rural, remote areas. But the very first place I ever stayed when I went to Tanzania all those years ago was up on the lower slopes of Mount Kilimanjaro. And there's a Lutheran church there that many years ago. The members of that village carried river stones up the mountain on their heads to build this congregation. And above the front door, the entryway, the main entryway to the church building, it says Kushieni, which means welcome. It comes from the verse in Matthew's gospel where Jesus is saying, come to me, those of you who are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Kushieni. In the early years, my groups who traveled to Tanzania and worshiped there and saw that welcome above the door they took to calling the church Kushiani Lutheran Church. And for years, that's what we called it. And it's always got a chuckle out of the members because that's not what the church is called. It's just what the welcome says above the door. The church is Nkwesho Lutheran Parish. But nonetheless, they are beyond welcoming there. So though we always get to worship in two different churches, I always start there. I always go back to Nkwesho, to Kushiani. Come to me, all of you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. And we always receive such a warm and loving welcome. I once had a group thinking in my mind, as I asked you to do, of times when hospitality, uncommon hospitality offered even by strangers, stays with me throughout my life. I once had a, a group trying to find our way to a very remote parish for Sunday worship. After the first week, we'd worshipped uh, at Nkwesho. The second Sunday, we were trying to find this remote Maasai congregation, and we drove and drove. My friend and, 
and driver, uh, wasn't exactly sure how to reach it. We would go through fields of maize at times on, on paths that were more narrow than the Jeep we were in. We had two cars that, that trip, and, and so we'd be driving with corn smacking on the sides of the Jeep. We'd come out into an opening, and we would find somebody working the fields, and we'd my driver would call them over, and this animated uh, conversation in Swahili would take place. And then, more than once, more than twice, more than three times, these random people out there in the fields would jump in the Jeep with us to try and guide us, and we're all on this kind of adventure trying to find this church. And uh, there, were, there, were, uh, there was a time when we would have to cross over flooded roadways or little open water streams, and I remember... At this kind of hilarious moment where we had this Jeep now filled with, you know, three extra Tanzanians, and there were a couple of local guys down in the river moving boulders out of the way so our car could pass through. A car full of strange Mzungus, white people from some other country. There is a tendency in Tanzania for local people to make your problem their problem. I can remember when I was on internship in Denver at a bilingual Spanish-speaking congregation. And I lived there in the neighborhood, which was made up mostly of Mexican people, poor working class, and a local family who came to church once in a while befriended me, and they they. They took me in, and I helped their mom negotiate the social services and the indignities thereof and landlords and other things, but mostly they just welcomed me into their family, and I would attend their big, rowdy, fun, extended family events, and they would always worry that the food was going to be too spicy for me, and I would brag that the spicier the better, and... Um, those folks are still a part of my life to this day. Well, we had another great story this morning from the book of Acts as during the season of Easter, we watched the birth and growth of the early church. And Paul has had a dream in the reading Carol read for us, a vision in the night that he should go and help some stranger in Macedonia of all places in foreign territory. When he had seen the vision, Luke wrote, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. So we set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained in this city for some days. I mean, holy cow. It's one thing if your brother or your best friend asks you to move, uh, help them move, but some stranger shows up in a, a dream you had and you wake up the next morning and provision the, the ship and head out on this uncertain adventure. Somebody needs help out there. Paul and the others say, and we've got good news to share wherever we end up, let's go. So, 
they make their way to Philippi and they're hanging out there a few days when they get wind somehow of a prayer meeting that happens outside of town a bit. They decide that's a good place for them and there they find a group of women gathered and they begin to share the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus with this unlikely group of foreign women in foreign territory outside of town. What they thought this was going <laughs> to accomplish if they're out there building the church. Well, one of those women was named Lydia. A name we love because our eldest is named the same. And she was said to be a worshiper of God. She was also, amazingly, because of the patriarchal society and the sort of status of the day, she was a businesswoman. She was a, a dealer of purple cloth. And she heard the good news about Jesus, and somehow she knew right away that this included her. That as unlikely as it was, this good news was for her. And it's also unlikely and unusual, amazing really, when you think about it. If you're trying to build the church, if your goal is to add numbers, there's a million better places to go and more influential, impactful people to get to. Spending time in the middle of nowhere in a foreign territory outside of Philippi with a women's prayer circle is no kind of logical choice. Even if Lydia and her friends are moved to faith in this good news about the death and resurrection of Jesus, who's going to believe them if they start sharing the good news out there in their area? Well, Lydia is moved by this good news, and she was baptized, along with her whole household. And she opened her home to these strange foreign men. Social and cultural barriers crumble in this corner of the empire. Begins to be changed by God's grace and the presence of the gospel. Luke says then that Lydia prevailed upon Paul and the others to stay with her and accept her hospitality. It's an interesting verb. She prevailed upon them. It gives us a sense that there was con some convincing that needed to happen. There's only one other place, in fact, in the whole New Testament where this word that gets translated from the Greek into the English as prevailed is used. And it's in that story when there are two followers of Jesus after his death and resurrection, and they're traveling the long seven-mile journey back from Jerusalem to their home in Emmaus, and Jesus, the risen Christ, walks up alongside them, begins a conversation, and they, and they share with Jesus in this kind of funny, ironic con conversation. You know, are you the only one in the whole area who hasn't heard about all these things that happened? And they tell him, uh, about his own death and, and news of his resurrection. And then they, they, they speak of their dashed hopes. We had hoped that he was the one. And then, as Jesus was about to go on once they've reached their own home, 
even though they don't yet recognize who he is, they prevail upon Jesus to come in and, and rest seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus and break bread. And in the breaking of the bread, they recognize that they have welcomed into their home the risen Christ. And they say to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while we walked with them? And they get up and they take seven-mile hike back to tell everybody else. And I don't think there's an accident that there's a verbal echo between Lydia's prevailing upon Paul and the others and the two from Emmaus prevailing upon the risen Christ with this hospitality. Lydia prevails, and, the, and, and, and that was before well, they knew that they were with the risen Jesus in their grief and confusion that the two from Emmaus offer him hospitality. Can you think of a time when you received gracious hospitality that was maybe so unexpected over the top, maybe even offered by a stranger, that you're never going to forget it. Hospitality in the time of the pandemic has been something else. Share one other memory that comes to my mind when I think of this. It's more current. You remember when the vaccines first became available and to certain age groups, and there was a challenge to get, you know, an appointment to go get the vaccine, and my mom and dad were stuck in Florida because they couldn't travel during the pandemic, and we were frantically, us kids, trying to get them an appointment to go get the vaccine uh, online, you know, and none of us could successfully do it. And then an acquaintance of my mom and dad locally got both of them appointments, and in the odd quagmire bureaucracy of, of the moment, Dad's appointment was right up the road from their place. And Mom's appointment was at a drugstore four hours across the state of Florida. And those same acquaintances picked up my mom on the day of her appointment, brought her all the way across the state for her to get her shot, brought her all the way home, and did it again when it was time for her second a certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, prevailed upon Paul and his weary companions to stay and rest in her home. And they accepted her hospitality. Hospitality can be more than a hassle or an inconvenience. It can, at times, be risky counterproductive, even dangerous. We can think of it in terms of individuals. We can think of it in terms of, of communities, congregations. We can think of it in terms of a country. Paul and the others with him were far from home and on a mission, and this whole scene runs contrary to religious tradition and cultural norms of the day. All of it. This kind of hospitality has always been the call of the church. Both the offering of this gracious hospitality 
but also, and this may be the more important truth for us to notice this morning, humbly accepting this hospitality. In so many ways, it is what built the church. And it is always holy. So after this song, we move to the font where little Jay joins Lydia and her whole household in being welcomed by God Almighty, claimed, chosen, and forgiven. Amen. Getting into that ship and heading out and, and, and worried about the prevailing winds and going from one place to another, to another, to another, and finally ending up uh, there in Philippi and outside of town encountering this group of women and, and Lydia and her whole household being baptized and then prevailing upon Paul and the others to stay with them. And I, boy, wouldn't it, what if we could just have been in the house that night? Imagine the rich conversation that was shared around the dinner table in that place and just think of how uncertain it was as they headed out. The church is always being pushed out into uh, uncertain futures, always. Uh, when, when, we're really, when we're at our best, that's what we face, and it's what we face now. And what they had with them, what they had, what we always have, is this gospel, this good news, that wherever they land and whomever they encounter, they have news to share. You, you are a chosen, forgiven, loved child of God in Christ. God claims you, loves you, forgives you. That's what we've got. And Lydia said, it's for me and my household. And a straight line is drawn to this font this morning is for Jay. It's for all of us. It's unbelievable. It is almost too good to be true, but it is God's good word, the gospel. And it allows us to go back out there, called and gathered people, claimed and forgiven people. We go back out there in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.